Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here on this sunny Tuesday. Thanks so much for joining us on the Indie Star. My name's Derek Schultz, but the star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle, who just finished brushing his teeth before our Skype conversation here. Looking good, man. The shine on the teeth and the hat and the Indie Star beanie. You've got everything rocking and roll. I need to start putting these up on YouTube again just so people can see our handsome faces. Well, you remember one of the last times we did YouTube, um, I had a snake. And I, That's you know, right. my son read the ball python, and I still have it. Uh, my son's at, he's at Yellowstone actually, uh, working for four or five months at Yellowstone National Park. So I've got a snake. Well, last night, you know, the snake mainly sleeps. It mainly sleeps all the time. I know it's hungry when it comes out and just starts looking around in its in its cage. Well, last night the snake was out and, and trying to get out, and he, I mean, he can't get out, but he's trying to. He's probing for holes. And if you remember, about a year ago, the snake I had the snake then too. The snake got out. I one day I wanted to check on it. Snake was gone. Um, it had somehow, you know, cracked open its lid and, and was. I found it hiding in a closet. Thank God. But anyway, so last night the snake's very active, very active, and I'm shoving stuff on top of the of of the lid so it can't get out. And I told myself you're going to have a nightmare about snakes. And uh, I, I did. I had a nightmare. I had cobras. I had one cobra going through the house. Me and my sons were trying to catch it. And it was like 30 feet long. It was Ricky Tiki Tavi meets Friday the 13th. It was horrible. <laughs> oh, God. I would not be able to sleep in a house where a snake was out. I'll tell you that much. I would have gotten a hotel room <laughs> for the next couple of nights. Uh, let's talk about something happy. And I know sometimes we start the show with depressing things like the Pacers or, or IU, and we'll have plenty of time for that coming up later on. But, you know, most recently last night, Purdue gets a win, Greg, that I don't think they needed to have per se, but it was kind of one of those games where the, the one thing that Purdue – has, I don't even want to say struggled. I don't think they've necessarily struggled with this, but the Minnesota and Maryland games, so two of their most recent losses, those were games where they had the lead and and grip on the game late. And for whatever reason, both of those games dissolved away. Minnesota hit a bunch of ridiculous shots. They banked in a three. Uh, that, that was kind of a flukish sort of finish, but they ended up losing both of those games. So when they were in that dogfight with Wisconsin last night, I kind of thought to myself, I, I was interested to see how Purdue would respond, specifically in a game where Travion Williams and Sasha Stefanovic and Eric Hunter did not particularly play well or were available at all, at least in Travion Williams' case. And you wrote about it this morning about how Zach Eady and God, out of nowhere, Aaron Wheeler really took over and, and kind of saved the day for the Boilers. Yeah, it was uh, you know, that game shows among other things why Purdue is so good and and someone you don't want to see in March, because that game was essentially won by their sixth leading scorer. Zach Eady is number six in the team in scoring. Aaron Wheeler is ninth in the team in scoring, and those were two of their stars. Their top three scores, as you mentioned, Williams, Stefanovic, Hunter. Those are one, two, and three. Those guys combined for fifteen. Combined for fifteen. Almost any team in college basketball. 
you pick their top three scores before the game and say those three, they're going to score 15 tonight against a really good, really good Wisconsin team, you're not winning that game. But Purdue is so deep. I mean, Aaron Wheeler, I'm not trying to say he's not more than he is. I mean, he could be more than he is, but he's not. But but when you've got a guy like a guy that talented, that capable, way down your bench, and you got Zach Eady, you got that guy playing 13 minutes a game, but he comes in and plays 17 and scores 20-something. I mean, nobody wants to play Purdue. Trust me, nobody wants to play Purdue. I love the confidence, and this dates back to early in his tenure. I love the confidence that Matt Painter's freshman players play with. Like, they never seem to look overwhelmed by the moment. Um, One thing that I thought was really underrated about their run to the Elite Eight a couple of years ago was uh, Eric Hunter came in for Nogel Eastern in that Sweet 16 game against Tennessee. And I think you were there, Greg. I was there in Louisville. And the atmosphere was electric. I mean, it was it was overwhelming. It was one of the best live game atmospheres I've ever been in. And I've been to hundreds of games, and you've been to probably thousands of games in your career. And Hunter came in as a, a true freshman and didn't look rattled at all and gave them huge minutes in a, in a game that they needed huge minutes from him. And they don't win that game without Eric Hunter. And you see it with these freshmen like Zach Eady. Zach Eady looks like he's played Big Ten basketball for 10 years. I mean, he doesn't look shaken up by that at, at all. Travion Williams isn't available, so he's like, yeah, whatever. I'll take care of this. You know, you go back to the Hummel, uh, Martin, Moore, Johnson teams. It was the same thing. They they just kind of hit the ground running right away. And it, it just seems like Matt Painter is able to prepare his freshmen. And I, I don't know. Maybe that's just a an indication of the mentality that the kids that he recruits. But they always look prepared at Purdue. I think there are two things there. One is it's it's the kind of player he wants. You know, I was, I'm watching highlights this morning in West Virginia, and they're number six in the country. And Bob Huggins, and I don't know how many pros they have on that team. They've got eight or nine really good players. I don't know how many pros they have. But Bob Huggins just either finds players and or turns them into something nasty. And in a much nicer way, Matt Painter does the same thing. He Not nasty, but he, he finds – players that are emotionally mentally strong and then makes them emotionally and mentally stronger and I don't know how you do that you know I mean I'm not a coach I don't I think most of us have no idea how you do that and and, and let's be honest there's a lot of coaches that don't know how to do that uh case in point I mean look at IU I mean they they're just not mentally strong they're not whether that's the roster Archie chose or the way he coaches them up they're just you know if, if two teams are walking into an arena and only one's walking out and those two teams are Purdue and IU, almost every single year you say, well, I'm going to take Purdue. And not because they're better necessarily, just because if, if only one team's tough enough, mean enough, nasty enough, uh, mentally strong enough to win, you know which program that'll be. And I don't, again, I, nobody knows how Painter does that. I mean, again, Archie Miller doesn't know how he does that, but they do that. And that's what you're talking about. So much of this is based on draw and. It's a single elimination tournament, right? So luck and circumstance, all of that kind of plays into it. But what, in your estimation, is is Purdue's level when it comes to the NCAA tournament? Is this a Sweet 16 team? Is this a dark horse, if everything broke the right way, Final Four contender in your eyes? Where do you put them? Oh, for sure, Final Four contender, for sure. Now, I mean, you know, you say that and and – I say that, and I allow for the fact, I hope people will allow me for the fact that there's probably 18 to 20 teams that, you know, get the right draw, the right run, they could go. Um, The right draw and the right being in the right 
streak isn't enough for most. But Purdue's on that list where they've got enough there that if they get the right opponents and, and, and their guys are playing pretty well and out of foul trouble. I mean, Final Four for sure. And, and again, I don't mean – I'm not saying they're up there with Gonzaga and all those teams, but when I said this is a team nobody wants to play, I mean nobody. And there's a handful of teams you don't want to play in college basketball. Um, but like Zach Eady, you, you can't stop him. Like Trevion Williams is a reason you don't want, you don't want to play Purdue. But Zach Eady, you, you don't – I mean, you don't want to play that because you can't stop that. I mean, you, literally, you can't stop that. Zach, uh, Jaden Ivey, you just about can't stop that. He's, he's such a different kind of athlete, and I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure people really understand. We talk about it, and everybody talks about it, and I write about it all the time, but the guy's 6'4", moving like that. That's what's so unusual. He, it's not Carson Edwards out there being really quick. This guy's 6'4", and, and has a wingspan of 6'7", and is the best athlete on the court Every single time he, I mean, he's an NBA, he's an elite NBA athlete. Nobody wants to see that. And by the way, those guys aren't their top three scores. It's just a, it's a nasty, nasty team that they get the right draw and foul trouble isn't a problem. I mean, I don't want my team playing them, whoever my team is. And they don't have to leave the state of Indiana for the rest of the season. <laughs> They'll literally play the entire month of March in the state of Indiana, or April, if they get that far, in the state of Indiana, which is, of course, unprecedented, given the context. And there's something of, like, uh, the yeah, there's something like 12-1 and one at Mackey, or they're one of two Big Ten teams this year, and Michigan might be the other one, and may, Michigan may have lost it last night with just one home loss all year at home. Um, and that doesn't mean that Purdue's unbeatable in the whole state, but they're not getting on a plane again. You know, they're not the, – the tournament – playing IU, the Big Ten tournament, they're not leaving, as you say. So they're going to be nice and comfortable here. They're a, anything can happen. You get all those freshmen, they could lose in the first round. They're going to be, a, if they're a three seed, four seed, they could lose to a 12 or 13. I mean, they could, but, you know, if, if they're sticking around for three weeks, I'm not surprised. Let's talk about uh, Indiana because we're contractually obligated to talk about Indiana. Um, I will say this. I, I did think that they played – it's not a very high bar. They played better uh, last night than they had uh, certainly in the game against Rutgers from a couple of weeks ago. And, and Michigan, I'll give them a little bit of a break because Michigan's so good, but they just, they, they never had a chance in that game. Um, they were never really in it last night. Obviously they were in it. It was a tie game with three minutes left. And then the, the wheels completely came off, which is what we've seen a lot with Indiana. Um, I do think last night though, Greg and your colleague, Zach Osterman wrote about it. If Indiana had a last gasp, gasp, chance at an at-large bid it was probably going to require winning last night beating Purdue and then winning two games in the Big Ten tournament now at 12 and 13 you know I don't I don't care what bracketology and all that says um if you're 500 or certainly if you're under 500 you're, you're not getting in the NCAA tournament so Indiana would have to win at least three straight games here to even have a conversation about them being an at-large team given where their record is in my opinion oh yeah but I you know I kind of I wonder it's very strange what's been happening with with IU. For weeks they've been they were they were said to be comfortably in. Yeah, the record was something like twelve and nine, comfortably in, and then twelve and ten, twelve and eleven. Even last night, twelve and twelve, they were on a lot of experts, and I don't use that word meanly. They know more about bracket bracketology than I do. A lot of experts had them in like in the first four out or something. Like they were still close. And I wonder now at 12 and 13, are, are they now in the next four out? I mean, for some reason, people have thought IU was more than it is all year. And I, I don't think it's the IU brand name because among the experts, they're not fooled by brand names. They're damn sure not fooled by that brand name. So I don't know. But, but yeah, they're, 
I mean, they're you. Know, I don't want to say they've got to win the whole thing to get in because it depends on who they play. They're going to play probably a bad team in the first round, but they probably have to play two or three potential one and two seeds before the, even the championship game. You win two of those, it's it's a decent argument. But listen, I I use done. I mean, I, you know, they're they're done. They're not. If I had to bet money, they're not beating Purdue. Um, and if I had to bet money, if I had to bet money, they're not winning again. They're they're done. They uh, they're not mentally strong. They've got a roster full of guys that are just not. You know, I I called them special, or the first the first look I had at them, I called them special. They beat somebody, Tennessee Tech or something, and Jerome Hunter had a great game, and Race Thompson looked really good out of the blue this year. I mean, we're we're, we're used to it now, but when it happened, it was like, whoa, wait a minute, what? And I thought, okay, this team's this team could be special, and I don't mean Final Four special, but Archie's best team. But they just fall apart. You know, they just you, – you flick them in the nose and they're done. They're just and, – and Trace Jackson Davis, and I like him a lot. I do like him a lot. But two games ago, he didn't, get a, he didn't grab his first rebound until there was 12 minutes left in the game. No rebounds until 12 minutes left in the game. Last night, he had one field goal for most of the game. Um, you know, I just – you're the – like Jaden Ivey's the best athlete on the court everywhere he goes and will be until he gets to the NBA. Trace Jackson Davis is the best large athlete on any court he's going to be on until he gets to the NBA. And when he has one, when he's doing stuff like that, that's clearly something up, um, you know, emotional, uh, mental, heart, whatever it is. It's not physical. I don't know what it is. So I, I'm just very, I'm very disappointed, frankly, in how they've fallen apart. Yeah, me too. Because you know, after the second Iowa win, you thought to yourself, okay, now if they just can like find a way to win a couple more, <laughs> you know, two more. Why? They'll you know, be, o- they'll be okay. It, and they can't, they couldn't even do that. You know what I mean? Like they, they couldn't even, all, all you really, it, Greg, if they would have won even one of the last four games that they've lost, they'd be in good shape right now. They, they would, I mean, they'd still have to go and win something in the big 10 tournament, but they, they would be more than on, extreme life support you know basically right now indiana still has a pulse but there's no brain activity you know I'm sorry if that's a, a brutal analogy but that's essentially where their ncaa tournament hopes are right now yeah and and i have to believe there's two things here i have to believe iu fans right now most of them aware that you're not going to the tournament like you're not you're not going the run you need is not your your team is not capable of that so rather than hoping for even a win against Purdue and a, a win or two in the tournament just to feel good about something, I have to believe most IU fans want IU to not win again because they want Archie gone. Um, I know that's how – and that's not everybody. Clearly, I don't speak for everybody. I don't speak for anybody. But, I, but I've seen fan bases over the years do feel that way when they're done with the coach. Um, the, the second part of that is we don't know if that even matters. Um, Archie's buyout is something like $10.5 million and it drops to – it drops way down next year. 50%, all, I think. What's yeah. that? I think 50%. It, so it, it's cut in half next year, if I'm not Which mistaken. Which is still huge. I mean, if it was $5 million right now, we'd say, boy, that's a lot. But 10 is almost impossible. Unless Mark Cuban or somebody like that writes a check, I, I don't know that they can buy him out. So I, they're, Scott Dolson, tough spot. Tough spot for the new AD. Have you heard anything about that? Or have you, have you asked about asked around, hey, are, are there donors there that are PO'd enough that can raise that money to take the burden off the athletic department? 
Because generally, no, huh? when 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 programs like that want to make a move, there are people that with money that are motivated enough to help facilitate that. Yeah, and I I don't think they had that though with Crean. I, and and you know Fred Glass, one of his strengths. And when it goes wrong, it can be a weakness. But one of Fred Glass, the previous AD, one of his strengths is he believes in continuity and continuity and support. So you 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 keep your coaching staff and you keep giving them more and more resources until they turn it around because he knows that starting over <clears throat> is starting over. And it worked with uh it worked with Kevin Wilson for the most part. It's certainly worked with Tom Allen. I mean, he you know, he just keeps believing in what in his guys. And so I don't know that Crean was ever gonna be gone, but there was nobody there stepping up to buy him out even when a lot of the fan base was tired of, of Crean. In fact, the only reason they fired Crean uh, four years ago, it wasn't even going to be Fred Glass. If you remember, um, they were getting booed so much. Tom Crean was getting booed so much that IU turned down. Fred Glass turned down the NIT home game because he didn't want national television cameras hearing the sound of Assembly Hall booing the coach at IU. Well, when the school president and board heard about that, when they realized, wait a minute, you turned down the game for what reason? They said, well, he, then fire him. He's fired. So what that has to do with, with Archie Miller? Absolutely nothing, but I like telling that story. So I don't know. They Someone's got to write a check, but no one at I, IU doesn't have any boosters like that. They've got a lot of boosters that you see on Millionaire Row, they, as they call it. They got a guy, we know a lot of names, John Cougar Mellencamp and Mark Cuban and Scott, and there's a lot of names and a lot of buildings around there. But they don't have any boosters that you think of as that guy's running the program. He's writing checks. They don't have that. And for the most part, that's great. You don't want that. But at this exact moment, if you're an IU fan want to change, at this exact moment, you kind of would like that. But that's Pandora's box you really don't want to open. I think you've seen fans just kind of transition from anger into apathy slash depression. And that's really where you don't want to be um, as a program. I mean, it, it, unless there's some crazy turnaround here. Uh, Indiana's going to miss four straight tournaments. I know they would have made one last year, so I'll, I guess I'll give them a little bit credit. But the the four tournaments that have existed among that those times, they have not made it any any of those, and they will have missed ten of seventeen. And I was a student for that first one that they missed in in two thousand four. I was a, a junior at IU, and they missed for the first time since eighty five, the season on the brink year. And Greg, it was a catastrophe. Like it was unthinkable that Indiana would miss the NCAA tournament. And now it's just old hat. I mean, we're we're used to Indiana missing the tournament, and that's just a, a really sad place for the fan base to be. Yeah, and the solution there there's there's two ways there's two ways to fix this. Um, one is you throw a whole lot of money at some coach and hope he comes. You know, the kind of coach that's good enough, established enough that you know. And I kind of thought Archie Miller was that guy. But in, in hindsight, I look back at, like, whoever's at Dayton right now, I think it's the it's that the dude that was there before, right? right yeah, Grant. Anthony Wright. Anthony Grant. Anthony Grant, that's what it is, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not getting fooled. Names on this show. I know, right. <laughs> I'm not getting fooled again by Anthony Grant. You know, he, he, was, he won there, and he went to Alabama, I think, didn't win. He's back at Dayton. He's winning huge. I'm not getting fooled again by the coach of Dayton. That's the best job in that conference. Whoever win, whoever's there wins. And that's, that was Archie. So IU can either throw enough money at someone that you know will win, but that's a guy that already has a good job, and he's probably not coming here. Why would he leave wherever he is, whoever that guy is, if he's that good, he's got a great job. Why is he coming here? And the second thing is you, you roll the dice on greatness. You know, Tom Crean was sort of a – I mean, he wasn't a gamble gamble. You thought Tom Crean might be really good after at Mar- Marquette. Archie Miller you thought might be really good. But you're, you're rolling the dice ultimately because you don't know. You only know you know with about five guys. 
the rest of them, you're, you're rolling the dice. And uh, you got to, at some point, you got to get, you, you got to say lucky. Yeah, it's, it's the job of the AD and the search committee to know what mid major or what, what, you know, what rising star can actually pull it off here. But that's hard to do in the Big Ten, especially like Brad Underwood. Who looks at Brad Underwood on the day he gets hired? Who look, who watches his press conference? Who listens to him talk? And I don't mean he's dumb at all. Just I mean, just look at him. He doesn't look like anything special. He doesn't. And his resume was nice, but there was nothing there that said they're going to be a top five. Nothing. There was nothing there. So I don't know if they got lucky or if whoever hired him is that brilliant at picking out coaches. But some of these guys, you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, and he's done an incredible job. And it, it gives you faith that all it takes is one person to do it. The problem is, is finding that one person because, you know, these names that were, you know, Brad Stevens and, you know, somebody tweeted me about Scott Drew and I'm thinking to myself, why in the world would Scott Drew leave what he built at Baylor to, to come to Indiana? Like, you know, I don't care. Even if you love your home state, you know what I mean? I, I love Connecticut. That doesn't mean that I'm going to leave a, a good situation that I'm in right now to go back home and I don't know. And see my sister more often, I guess. I guess that would be nice, but I think we overrate. I, I think we overrate how in the 21st century, where the world is a much smaller place, guys relocating and, and leaving comfortable situations. You can make money anywhere. You can win anywhere. You know, 40 years ago, you had to be at Indiana or Kansas or somebody somewhere like that to win at a high level and be on TV and make a bunch of money. Now, you can do that just as easily at Oklahoma State if you want. You know what? I mean? Well, I, I I'm choosing Oklahoma State's actually a really good program. I you know give throw somebody else Iowa, throw somebody else in there that is you know kind of a middling one. Yeah, yeah. Now nowadays, if if you're great, you're gonna win. Uh, you're gonna go somewhere and win. But boy, I I use uh. Well, first of all, I I want to go back to this. Don't get me started on Scott Drew. Do not get me. Don't get me started on Scott Drew now. Um, and I realize. He's on the list for you. Oh yeah. Oh God. He, he's he's the first name on my list. Oh God. Don't get me started on him. And I realize that that unless you, you know, really follow not college basketball, just like who wins and loses, but if you really kind of know what coaches think and who they like and who they don't like, and the reasons why you can be not liked because you're better than everybody else, and that's not a bad thing. But you can be not liked because of the way you conduct your business, and that is a bad thing. So anybody listening to this, I know Scott Drew's from our state, and, and he says, oh, shucks, and he, he looks like, you know, Opie or Amos or, or what, what are those 1950 sitcoms, Eddie Haskell, whatever. Yes. He looks at it and says, look, um, I got three words for you. Hanner, Mascara, Perea. Go look up what happened to that young man or what Scott Drew threatened. I, I remember that, yeah. Go look up that. And, uh, and I've, I've said this to Scott Drew. He actually called me in a hotel room one night 10 years ago. I'd written something at CBS Sports, uh, ripping Scott Drew, and he called me. And in that little Eddie Haskell kind of, <laughs> he's kind of giggling. <laughs> you said, <laughs> um, I chewed him out. I said two things. One, don't you ever call me at ten o'clock at night. And I think my last one, two, three, four, show, my last four words, and I quote, were "Shut up, Scott Drew," and I hung up on him. Like I don't say that to somebody. I damn sure don't say it to somebody as a college basketball writer to a great college basketball coach. I don't say those words lightly, okay? Don't get me started on Scott Drew. Do not – don't do it. And, and, and I hope, like, hell, he doesn't come here because, I, you know, that, that wouldn't be fun for anybody. Scott Drew won't have a good time if he comes here. I won't have a good time if he comes here. IU fans will hate me if he comes here because IU fans will love whoever they hire, or at least they'll give him a chance. And I understand that. But 
Don't get me started on Scott Drew. Uh, while we're talking about potential coaching changes, um, let's touch on one that you wrote about. Uh, and there was a report, I think it was from Jeff Goodman last week, that Indiana State was likely going to move on from Greg Lansing, who has put together two nice seasons, and they had a long winning streak this year. I think they ended up winning eight in a row or 10 of 12 to close the Valley season. And um, it, it doesn't matter, apparently. It looks like he's on his way out. I've always been a fan of his. He just seems – he's kind of like Matt Painter light to me, Greg, where he's just kind of a, a regular dude that happens – to coach basketball and, and do pretty well. Um, I, I know a little bit about this, and you did a great job outlining them in your column, about the specifics about where Indiana State has been and where their budget is. And to me, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm just, I'm incredulous that after the last two years that he had that you would think about moving on from him. I, I think at the very least, he deserves more time. If, if, if you were sold two years ago that Greg Lansing wasn't your guy and then he put together these back-to-back seasons, I, I think – you owe it to yourself and you owe it to him to let him continue. Two years ago, they could have fired him. They would have had to buy him out because two years ago, he had two years left on his contract. Indiana State has such little money. They're paying Greg Lansing, I think, $235,000. That's what he makes. And, and maybe he's got a Nike contract or Adidas, but you know he's not getting paid like a Division One college basketball coach. He's getting paid. It's a nice salary, but not for that in the Valley. It's not, not for those guys. It's not nice. If they wanted to fire him two years ago, nobody would have complained. They had that was two years ago. They had they were coming off four straight losing seasons, four straight, and he'd been there nine years, I think. It was time. Frankly, it looked like time. I was worried they were going to fire him because I like the guy, like you do. I thought, well, they're probably going to fire him, and, and if they do, there's nothing I can say about it because you know it is what it is. Well, two years later, they've had they finished fourth and third in the valley. Next year, they're going to be on paper. On paper, they're going to be picked to finish top three next year. They got four starters back, and you can't get rid of them now. And 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 there's a layer to this that that I don't know if Indiana State the AD is aware of. I mean, I hope he is. If he, I mean, if you read my story that I wrote, he's aware now. Indiana State's not leading scorer, but their best talent, Jake Laravia from Lawrence Central. He's six nine. He's built like Luka Doncic, and he's um, I mean, very very Luka Doncic light. Okay, I mean, I mean, really light, but but. He's 6'9", 230, handles the ball, can can drive, can attack, can dish, can hit the three. He's the best prospect they've had probably since Larry Bird. And he's not Larry Bird. <laughs> but, I'm just, I mean, you know, the bar, Indiana State, they don't have great prospects. But he he's their best pro prospect since Larry Bird. And, and coaches know. Coaches know. And if you fire Greg or if you don't let Greg Lansing comes back, comes back, the way NCAA does it now, if you transfer after a coaching change – for the most part, that's considered a hardship, and you're eligible right away. You can go. Free pass. If Greg Lansing doesn't come back, Jake LaRavia will have half the final, half the top 25 tried offering him a scholarship, like that day. He's not coming back. And, you know, I don't know this. I, you know, I've been talking to Jake's dad last couple of days trying to get information, and he doesn't want to talk about it, and I don't blame him. Um, but I know that every major college in America is looking at Jake LaRavia right now, hoping they get a shot at him. And... Anyway, you get rid of Greg Lansing, you lose Jake LaRavia, the one starter not coming back, Tyreek Key, the leading scorer. They go in a crater. Whoever that new coach is, they fall off a cliff. Is that what you want? I don't think that's what you want because at Indiana State, you don't have the wherewithal to climb out of a cliff fast. I And I just don't know, like, they, clearly they made this decision two years ago. And to be that dug in on it where you wouldn't even take – into account what he's done the last two years. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Greg. 
And also, I, I think that, you know, we talk about this sometimes. I, I think coaches talk about how programs treat the previous guy. And if you're going to do this to Lansing after back-to-back seasons with top four Valley finishes, if I'm kind of an up-and-comer, I'm looking, I'm thinking to myself, well, hell, if I go to ISU and I have a couple of top four finishes, are they going to gas me too? I'm not taking that job. Yeah, but the guy they're looking for, the guy they're going to get is someone who's never been head coach before. So you probably are taking that job. Because you know the, you know how coaches are? They have to be cocky enough to think that, well, it didn't work there for them, but they're not me. You know, it's like you watch these UFC pre-fights, pre and it's, it's, it's almost embarrassing. Because when two UFC fighters are about to fight, one of them always says they're going to win because he or she, they've never faced anybody like me. Okay, okay, you're unique. You're the most unique fighter in the world, whoever you are. Coaches are the same way. They all think, well, I can go there and win. So someone will take that job. You know, the, the theory out there is that Micah Shrewsbury, the Purdue assistant, coach, worked with Brad Stevens, and, and, and Sherrard Klinkscales has a Purdue connection. The theory is that Micah Shrewsbury is Sherrard's guy, that that's who, that's who Indiana State wants to replace Lansing with. And it, and it might be. But I'm hearing... And not from Shrewsbury, not from Matt Painter, okay? So I don't know this is true. If I, I don't know this is true, but I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. And I'm not hearing it from some mailman, okay? I'm not hearing it from, you know, there's a lot of radio show hosts in town that hear stuff from just nobodies. And they tell people, well, I'm hearing. And then if, if, if the speculation comes true, they think they have a scoop. And no, you, you don't have a scoop. You don't know. I'm hearing from people that whose names you've heard of tell me Shrewsbury won't take that job. That he doesn't, you know, he, he's such a rising star, and as good as Purdue is, somebody on that staff is going to get hired somewhere soon. Anyway, Shrewsbury's not going to the state. So I, I don't know who they're going to get. I don't know who they're going to get that's good enough. And I, I don't even know that Shrewsbury's that good. I, mean, I have no idea. None of us know. But whoever they're going to get, it's not going to be their first choice. Oh, but it'd be a demotion for Shrewsbury. Uh, being the associate head coach at Purdue is a, a far better job than being the head coach at, you know, the, the ninth best job in the Valley. Don't I you guarantee think? you, I sorry, but I guarantee you he's making three, Michael Shrewsbury's making oh, three yeah. times what Greg Lansing's making. Oh, for sure. I mean, and, and ISU would probably, you know, to get him would probably be a little more aggressive than what they've been with Lansing. But still, I, I don't think, I, I think being the associate head coach at Purdue is a better job than being the head coach at ISU, for sure. Is there a topic, are, are we going to talk about Dockage? Uh, if you want to, it wasn't on my rundown, but if you want to mention, I know that, um, it's Dana has been writing about it for the star and it's been kind of this ongoing story the last four or five days. Well, and I know we're having this out in real time with people listening and that that's fine. Just if Dockage, if, if 1070 gets rid of Dockage, if they do just hypothetically put it another way. 1070, someday they're going to have an opening. Someday. So, you know, someone's going to leave. Someone's going to retire. I mean, some, they're, going to have, they're going to expand their programming and have a fourth show. They're going to have one. It, would you and Query, and you didn't ask me to ask you this, and I'm putting you on a bad spot. I'm so sorry. But would you and Query, is that a, I mean, would you someday, without pushing anybody else out, would, would you like to work there with Query? Is that a, something y'all talked about? If it's okay with you, I'm just not comfortable commenting on that. Um, okay. Uh, you know, what, what I do think is that if something came open or if they decided to expand, um, the person that is most worthy of getting a chance who is long overdue to have his own shot and he guest fills in all the time. So it's almost like he's part of the lineup. But to me, it's, it's Kevin Bowen. 
um, who, who they've been, I think, grooming over there and who's a, a really talented guy. And he's a friend of mine, so maybe I'm, I'm biased when it comes to that. But I, I'm just not – you know what I mean, Greg? It's kind of like uh, w- with you and other columnists or coaches sometimes do this. I, I just don't feel comfortable commenting on – a slot that isn't open or might hypothetically be open. You know what I mean? So that's, no, no, you're, you're right. Kind of you're right I'm with that. I apologize. And the reason I asked that, I, I swear my reason wasn't, I want to let's, let's discuss your interest in the job. My reason was if you're comfortable talking about it at all, then we should talk about Dockage. but it puts you in a bad spot to even talk about it. It, it just, I don't want to put you in a bad spot. I just, you know, Dockage right now, and he's always been, you know, ever since I got here, he's been this, this elephant in the room that people like you and me on podcasts like this don't talk about. I mean, he is a newsmaker, whatever you think of him, good or bad. And, and most of you think bad, but whatever you think, of, he's a newsmaker, but people like you and me, we avoid him. I mean, and let, let me put it like this. If I didn't know Dan so well, if he and I didn't go back 15 years, I'd have written a few columns about him by now, you know, and, and that's probably my weakness that I haven't done it yet. But part of it is there's a couple stories I want to write around here and not, a, not all are about sports. I want to write. I want to write one story about about the billboards in town, the lawyer billboards, um, and just I want to rip people for their billboards, and I want to write about Dockage. But I I also know that, um, and this is gonna sound this is gonna sound weird, and I don't mean this as bad as it's gonna sound, but the Indy Star gives me a big platform, and you know I, because of CBS, I've got a lot of followers and on Twitter, and you know it, when I write something, it people notice, right, and and. Uh, I, I kind of don't think it's fair for me to pile on to anybody sometimes. Like I can't, I, I don't know. I'm just muttering now, but we're all avoiding Dockage, me included. And right now he's in the news and he's not in the news for good reasons. And all I'll say is this Dockage and I go way back and we've been friends, but I, I've heard him on the radio in the last couple of days defending himself in this way, saying, I'm not a bully. I stand up to bullies. And if Dan's listening or if someone's going to tell him this, okay, Dan, you're a textbook bully. You are a textbook bully. You have a big platform and you use it to swing down at people. You swing down at people on Twitter, on the radio. You name people who have, who are nobody famous. You know, bullies don't, you only swing up. I was told years ago, if you're going to pick a fight on Twitter with another sports writer or whatever, swing up. Otherwise, don't, don't swing at all because you can only lose. You can only lose picking on somebody smaller than you. All Dan does is swing down. That's all he does. And I'm not saying he doesn't swing up. I'm, he'd swing up too. You can tell he doesn't like Jay Billis. Uh, he swings up a little bit there. But he's a textbook bully. And I don't like bullies. And uh, bullies don't like getting punched in the nose. You know, bullies do not like it. And we saw it in, in D.C. a couple months ago. And we're seeing it right now. Bullies, they don't, they don't know they're bullies. And so when they get punched in the nose, they feel like, wait a minute. Why are you coming after me? How dare you? No, 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 no. Bully, you're, you've been doing it to us for six years. You're a bully. This is what happens to people like you. So I got. I guess I just wanted to say that. And I, I didn't think I'd say even that much. But I guess what I'm saying there is that if Dan sticks around, and for his sake, I hope he does, I, I, I never want anybody to lose their income, their job. Their, I never want that. And you haven't heard me say that yet, that I want him gone. I was just asking you, you know, if there's an opening, would you be interested? I don't want him pushed out. Um, so if he comes back, assuming he does, assuming he stays, Dan, if you're hearing this or if someone is uh, going to tell you this, you got to change the bully stuff. And I don't mean so you can keep your job. If, if you keep your job after all this, you're untouchable, and that's fine. But you can't, you're a bully. And if you don't see it and your loved ones don't love you enough to tell you what you are, 
take it from me as someone who's told you I love you before. You're a bully, man. You got to stop that. Yeah, I was interested to see how you felt because I know that you guys have gone back and you go on his show um, and, you know, like or dislike or whatever else. We all, regardless of your, if your platform is small or in Dan's case, very large, you have a responsibility when it comes to the words and, and the things that you say. So that's something that you have to always kind of be aware of, but I would never root for, and I'm being honest, I, I would never root for somebody to lose their job because I, I went through it and it sucks. Right. <laughs> and a lot of people in media have gone through it and they know that it sucks. So I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you uh, when it comes to all of this, but yeah, newsmaker is right. I mean, he's in, he's in the news a lot, you know, also there have been positive things that, you know, the bike fundraiser and there've been other things that he's done as well, that, that it hasn't been all negative. You know, our Nat Newell did a great job the other day when, when Nat was, I'm sorry, when, when Dockage was, you know, kind of trending and in the news and people just wanted to know either more about what was happening or just kind of maybe around the country, like, well, who is Dockage? What's he really like? You know, we know him, he's on ESPN, but who, who is this guy? Nat Newell did a five things to know about Dan Dockage, kind of like a primer. And uh, the, the fifth and final thing, in other words, the last image you have of Dan Dockage is how powerful he is in the community, you know, getting bikes to poor kids and he does a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. So he, he is, a, I mean, he's got a great side and, and, and I, I, I couldn't be more clear about this, that I don't want anybody losing it. You're right about the industry and on a daily basis, I wonder about my job. So I don't, I don't wish it it'll, on anybody, but just last thing I'll say is if, if anybody, if anybody wants me to explain, how can you call somebody a bully? A bully doesn't necessarily walk up to somebody and literally push them in the face. Nowadays, because we're meeting our future spouses online, we're meeting, we're setting up dates with strangers on Twitter and on whatever the whatever the modes are online. Online bullying is real. I mean, that, obviously, we all know that. If you're a if you have 160,000 followers and you've got the biggest radio station in town at the prime slot, and you're using that platform to name some some guy on Twitter that has 18 followers and is saying something stupid to you. And you're calling him out by name. Yes, he tweeted you publicly, but he's got 18 followers. You got to look for that to find it. If you choose to use your platform to spell his name out and to rip him and therefore send your really, really mean and stupid mob after him, which is what you've just done, you're a bully. I mean, there. I don't know how else to say it. Um, how about this? And if you don't think you're a bully, my backside. <laughs> my backside. Speaking of uh, bullies, I would up. like, I would really hope that eventually, and I wanted to get this before we wrap, eventually uh, the Pacers would sack up and maybe bully somebody instead of being bullied on the court. I don't even really know what is to say. There is a say, Greg. They're just, they're not very good. Um, I have a really hard time believing that Karis LeVert and TJ Warren is are, is going to dramatically change that. Oh, if stop it. When they return. Stop you know, it. To me. I'm just telling you, to me, I think it would be best. And look, the Pacers aren't going to tank. That That's not what they do. And a professional athlete is not going to mentally do that. But if they just fall completely out of it here, I'm not going to be mad. I think it's far more constructive for them to just fall out of it this year and take the single-digit draft pick for the first time since 1989 and do something with it than get into the playoffs and be first-round fodder for the millionth year in a row if they get into the playoffs at all. Now, listen, I agree with that. I'm not saying stop it there. I thought you were going to say something. Well, you did say something I say stop it about. You can't tell me that if you have a in the NBA, and granted, they go eight, nine, ten deep, but you've got a starting five. 
and maybe your six man's really good, but you've got five or six players that are your better players, five in Indiana's case, and two fifths haven't played all year. That's a huge loss. I mean, Justin Holiday is a nice player. TJ McConnell is a nice player. They are not Karis LeVert and TJ Warren. I mean, and you know that. I, I do think they're a lot better at full strength. My concern is at this point, honestly, it's too late. Like, it's too late. They're, they're, those guys, given their health issues, they're not going to come back and find anything close to really, really full speed, not only individually, but as a team. There's, they're, they're out of time. They, they don't have enough time to be rolling by the playoffs. So, bigger picture, I agree with you. They need to miss the playoffs. They don't need to tank. I don't think I don't think they have to tank. They're just going to miss them. They need to miss the playoffs. You're right. This season, right? It's a sunk cost. Write it off. Get a pick. My concern is, and they want those guys in the court. If, if Levert wants to play, you got to let them. If Warren wants to play, you got to let them. My concern is they're going to come back, and because they're going to be a lot better with those starting five, they're going to win enough games to finish seventh or eighth, and then get swept again, and then draft nineteenth, and it's a vicious cycle. What are you working on for this week? Um, I got. I'm working. You know. With March Madness coming, um, I wanted to write something big. Special is maybe the wrong word, but um, unique, different. Um, and I'm writing about homelessness in our community. And uh, and, and honestly, I, I've written 3,500 words already, and I don't know what the headline is. I, I don't know what I just wrote. I, I don't know. Um, I'll be curious to see what my bosses think I wrote, and I'll be curious to see what their headline is. But the story... My 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 motivation was, we've got the biggest event in the world coming here. It's not the biggest in the, the event in the world ever, but in about three weeks, it will be the biggest event in the world at, at that time. It's coming here for the whole month. That's going to bring unprecedented attention, unprecedented attention for, for an unprecedented amount of time. We have the Final Four. We've never had three weeks of it. Unprecedented spotlight and a lot of revenue. How can we use this, leverage this, to help our biggest problem in Indianapolis, which is homelessness. And again, I don't, I've written 3,500 words. And if you asked me to sum it down into one sentence, couldn't do it for you. I, I don't know what I wrote. My dad is in that story. Um, high school, I got a couple high school kid from short Ridge is in that story. A couple kids from Evansville. They're in that story. There's a lot in this story. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Cause it's a very emotional thing for me. So I don't know I'm working on that. There you go. Check it out, IndyStar.com. Also, the IndyStar app. You can subscribe. Uh, also, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and any of the major platforms that Clark Wade, our, uh, our guy that handles all of that, puts this on every single Tuesday for Doyle and Derek and just about every single darn day for Greg Doyle and his columns. At Greg Doyle Star, you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Schultz975, Corey and Schultz, ISC Sports Network. Our newest episode is live on ISCSportsNetwork.com right now if you want to check that out. Um, and Twitter is the best way to kind of get all my links as well. We'll talk to you next week, Greg. Thanks so much. All right, Derek. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.